Sports and brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at ThoriumWealth.com. Thorium Wealth, uh, check them out online for full disclosures and more information. Our thanks to them for their support of the show and of the site. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, October the 29th. Um, if everything has gone to plan, you are listening to this on Thursday morning. Um, I did not get hit by a bus, um, which I guess would, you know, that would, that would kind of suck. Um, we're going to preface everything we're about to say with, like, if some craziness happens uh, after tonight, it's not our fault. Um, we're going to talk about Virginia's loss um, in Louisville. We're going to preview the game in Carolina. We'll save hoops for next week, um, and we will have um, a, kind of a, a preseason discussion there. Um, as you listen to this, Media Day has already happened in Charlottesville. It has not happened for me yet, or um, I would, we would probably be talking about that. So um, don't let the, the time continue and break your, break your head. Uh, hopefully uh, it's not a big deal. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, we'll start up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? Confused. <laughs> Who is on the board at? Who is on Twitter? Time travel, man. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not a soup question. All right. And yeah. uh, up in Reston, uh, after writing literally the largest story I think Cavs Corner has ever published, um, staff writer Justin Ferber also on this here program. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, my head kind of hurts from uh, <laughs> reading all that stuff. And shaking, uh, it hurts from shaking my head reading all that stuff, really. Uh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the game, in-game updates, content items, and uh, the occasional witty banter. What I found sort of fascinating is, so at some point in there, I was I texted Ferber, and I was like, you haven't sent it, right? Because sometimes my email can be screwy. And he was like, it's a lot. And when you said it's a lot, I was like, okay, it's a pretty big story. Um, I did not expect it to be like that much of a lot, but there's just really, yeah, I think, I think actually I did write one thing that was longer and that was the, uh, when we did those scheme previews when they hired oh, the staff, right. which is kind of ironic yeah. because yeah. <laughs> we, we talked a lot about how great that offense was going to be. <laughs> well, no, no, you, you talked about how great that offense was going to be. Cause you really, yeah. I mean, all right. We're well, just I mean, waiting for Taysom like, to walk in the door. Right? Well, I mean, it's funny. Well, we literally thought that might happen. I remember yeah. that. That's true. That um, was the thing. That's true. Um, but I remember, like, at that time, they were coming off a huge season. So you're looking at the most recent numbers, and you're like, well, damn. I mean, it's all there. Yeah, well, right now it's not all there. Matter of fact, the only all there we have is uh, to go on is just trouble, right? Um, I think I, I don't want to, like, kind of relitigate everything Ferber put into the piece. I, I do want to point people to the website. If you are listening to this, haven't read it, uh, if you've read part of it, uh, whatever, make sure you finish it because it's incredible. But I think the, the picture that it really paints, and that's the place I want to start our conversation about Louisville. The picture I think that that, that, that that data paints is an offense that is not doing a good enough job of doing a, of a many things, right? They're not, there aren't enough explosive plays they are turning the ball over too much. They're too predictable, and 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 I don't think they're con- they're they're not consistent. And you can point to any one of those things and make a case for why this is the problem. But realistically, it's it's all encompassing to me. And I don't think we can we can bifurcate any of that. Right? There's no place to say, hey, this is the thing. Um, it's all related. And if you took Lamade Zacchaeus and put him in this offense, would it all of a sudden magically go just because you have presumably a lot of yak? Well, it would be a lot better, uh, and it might cut down on some of your problems, but it wouldn't cut down on all of them. And I think that's the that's the quandary Virginia's in right now. Um, Carolina's defense is not scaring me, right? I don't. I mean, their offense is pretty good, and I think Virginia's defense is 
um, you know, pretty par for the course of what it's been this season, they'll be fine. But man, they should, these three road losses, and I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but they, at least two of them, you can, you can say pretty, um, you know, pretty confidently they should have won and they probably should have won all three. Um, I, you know, I can, you can quibble over Notre Dame and, you know, different, um, minds can disagree, but Dave, I want to start with you. You, you rewatched, you said last night and you came away, not nearly as frustrated with the play calling. Um, I tend to disagree. I think the more I watched, the more frustrated State your case, you know, and, and I'm not trying to, no, no, we don't have to fight. I, I'm just, I'm just curious to get sort of your thoughts now, having rewatched it and sort of where you are with this thing going forward. And I, and I preface this by saying that for me, it's not that I'm, I guess I'm not saying that it's all, you know, on the design or all on, you know, it's not for me, it's not even all on its execution. It's like, I think that all of these things are so interrelated that trying to pick out one thing is impossible. And the only thing I can go back to is that the design, the lack of adaptation compared to what we would see on the defensive side of the ball, as I think I told you guys, like if, if, a, if an offense came out in a four wide set, UVA is not going to stay in its three, four base, right? They're going to make some adaptations. Now, I understand that that's not always apples to apples with offense, but I, I just don't think that Virginia's doing a good enough job right now to adapt its 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 scheme and its design to the to the skill sets of the players in it. How, how where do you fall on on this whole thing, Dave? Now that having you know had a couple of days removed from Louisville and having rewatched the game, I mean it, it still sucks. Um, <laughs> look, I mean, is that our podcast? Wait, title? My, still my text sucks? wasn't to be. A- <laughs> My, my text wasn't meant to say, like, you know, the offensive staff and the offensive coordinator in particular are without fault. I just – and I've said it many times before. When you, when you watch a game live and as a fan, you're emotionally tied to it like you are. Sometimes, you know, you miss things, um, which makes a rewatch useful. And, and this particular rewatch, um, I saw plays that were there and either – Bryce making a bad decision or holding onto the ball too long, or even on plays that weren't there, holding onto the ball too long, which made the next play that much harder because he, he took a sack or, or whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. There were several plays. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember where it was in the game, but you know there was one play where they essentially brought in Max Protect and rolled the pocket to the right um, and sent everyone deep. There was no outlet. So and he ended up taking a big sack because there was nothing he could do. Um, so there's certainly some scheme issues, but like it, no scheme works without the quarterback making the right decisions. And uh, I don't want to call him out because he's he's had some good games, but he hasn't had many. He's had some bad decisions and on, almost looks too cool in the pocket, um, like willing to take an extra beat. And with and with an insist, inconsistent <laughs> they mentioned offensive that line. a lot during the game, actually. Yeah, they were cool like, "Oh, he seems very calm and relaxed back there." I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I just noticed no. that they were kind of making a point of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it almost feels like it's too much at point, especially with. Look, I understand the offensive line has been very inconsistent in front of him, and maybe he can't. You know, maybe he's expecting pressure on a play he doesn't get, so, you know, he throws a little fast when he doesn't have to, or, but. There, there's some issues with the quarterback play. And when you look at the numbers like Justin broke down, um, when you compare to Bryce to last year, like, you know, Bryce has taken more deep shots this year, but he was a lot more productive last year. So whether it's the knee or 
mispractice time because of the knee, the absence of OZ or whatever, like that is certainly an issue. Now that doesn't, like I said, I don't think that takes fault away from the offensive staff. Like we've seen it now. It, it's manifest in a few different games. And even in the games that Virginia's done well, you've seen play, you know, sacks that shouldn't have been taken and, and, and such. So some scheme to help him out would be, would be better. Um, to me, like the, the complete unwillingness to establish a run game makes no sense. And at that point, like, I, I think that's your key to making this team better because you're not bringing OZ back. Um, to me, like, just work on establishing a run game. If it's running Perkins more, or if it's just giving your running backs more than 11 carries, um, do it. Like, it, it, I, they talk about being physical, and that's the way you be. That's the way to be physical. Run the ball. I'd rather like what's worse, a, a one-yard loss on a run or a ten-yard loss on a sack or an interception. Um, establish the run. At least let the other make the other team a little bit aware of it. And I think that's something you can you can do without drastic change. But yeah, something something's got to change. You can't keep making this Rube Goldberg of a machine <laughs> to try to gain two yards. You know, substituting twelve guys and running them on and off and coming up with a complex pay, play that ends up being thrown to Joe Reed one yard d- down the field. For uh, having written the whole thing and been inside these numbers and things as much as you were today, I, I don't necessarily want to phrase the question to you the same way. I, I know going in you thought it was bad, and then as you came out of the, the rabbit hole, you figured out it was worse. I, I guess then I want to ask f- you – what do you? What do they do? Like, what are the options on the table in terms of of being able to improve in more than just a couple areas that could, you know, string together uh, a possible quote unquote solution? Like, what what do you see in the numbers um, that then you can extrapolate out and say, okay, what they have to do is X. What 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 would you suggest that they do to fix things? Well, I mean, to be quite honest with you, on the surface, I'm not sure you can fix all this stuff this year. I think some of this stuff is either going to have to be revisited in the offseason or they're just going to have to, you know, find some workarounds. But I don't know if you can do that in the middle of the season. I mean, obviously, you have to do the best you can considering the stakes this week coming up and then every week going forward for, you know, a big season for the program. But, yeah, I mean, I think you have to – the first step in – you know, solving a problem is admitting that you have one. And if I'm to take everything that Bronco is saying at face value and assuming that he isn't holding something back, which is very possible, coaches do that all the time, I'm not sure they think they have one. So I think that, or I, th- I think that they think that turnovers are a problem. And they are. And we talked about that in the piece. But I think that the problems go deeper than that. You're not creating explosive plays. You're just not. Um, if you look at the numbers, I mean, they are. That was actually surprising to me. I knew that the numbers wouldn't be good, uh, but when you see, start seeing them, you know, dead last in 50 plus yard plays, uh, I think second to last or third to last in 40 yard plays. Um, you know, you look at their touchdowns, how they've scored them. They have, I think, it's two touchdowns from outside the red zone on offense this year. Uh, both against bad defenses. One was an FCS team. I mean, uh, the other one was ODU, who was like one of the worst teams in the FBS, Uh, literally the worst offense in the FBS in yards. Um, But, I mean, yeah, I I just don't know what you do, but you can't keep doing the same thing and thinking that all you have to do is not turn the ball over because that's not the answer. Um, They have been very fortunate in a lot of ways, 
And I know that the turnover margin isn't great. They're minus six. But if you look at those turnovers and it's in the piece, you know, nine of the 10 turnovers that they've created that have set them up on the right side of the 50. That is like a statistical anomaly. If you think about UVA's turnovers and how they're how they've happened, they happen in all kinds of different ways. You got the interception in the red zone that Bryce threw against Louisville. You have another one like that against Florida State. But you also have, you know, fumbles in the middle of the field, uh, strip sacks in the middle of the field. Uh, Joe Reed's fumble at his own 34. Uh, I mean, there's different. I mean, the fact that 90% of the turnovers they've created have set them up in good field position tells you that they're very fortunate to have scored as many points as they have, not to mention all the defensive and special teams touchdowns, which are rare. Um, I think, honestly, the, the best thing they can do is just be more aggressive. Uh, I don't know exactly how to say that, but I'm not sure that running the ball more is the answer if you can't do it. Uh, now, I think they showed that they could do it a little bit against Louisville, and then they really got away from it. So in that game, I think maybe, yeah, they could have ran the ball more. Against some of these teams, I don't know if they can because I don't know if they have the guys up front to give you enough blocking, and I don't know where this running back group is. Obviously, Bronco talked a little bit about Mike Hollins and his press conference and how he feels like he's not quite there or he feels like he could play, but he's not going to make the call. Uh, I think that you got to start being more aggressive in the passing game. Bryce is his playing this low-risk, adverse passing game and still throwing a lot of interceptions without the payoff of big plays, right, because you're not taking shots. So you might as well take the shots because at least then if you throw the interceptions, it's down the field, right? I think – Yeah, I mean, I think the announcers in the game made an interesting point too. Like Bryce is waiting for guys to get open, which means they're not moving when, he, when they catch the ball, yes. which is why you don't get the yak. And if um, you watch these these plays, the, a lot of these sacks – I mean, I don't want to pile on like you said, but the biggest difference between this year and last year – well, the running game is probably the biggest difference. But the reason For that sure. they've taken the biggest drop-off from where we thought they would be is they are not getting 2018 Bryce Perkins. Now, you can speculate as to what the reason for that is. Health, uh, scheme, whatever. Not having OZ. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to speculate on that. But it's just true. I mean, the numbers back it up. And what we've seen backs it up. And I think what you're seeing on these long plays is, like, he's waiting for guys to make their break, and they're just not getting there quick, right? And then... Yeah. The protection's breaking down, and then or he'll roll into protect, or he'll roll out of protection into danger, uh, which is something we saw Kurt Banker do. So maybe that is a coaching thing. Um, maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean, but, the one but also, play of, go ahead. Yeah, I, I didn't want to cut you off there for a second, but the, but like on the pro football focus numbers, and I don't know if Brad got into this yet or not, but he is he is the you know they assign sacks like the fault of sacks to players. Bryce is the leader. Like he leads the team in in uh, like basically taking the fault for the sack. He has more that have been his fault, according to the people grading the games, than any offensive lineman. So that tells you something's not quite right. And I don't know what it is, and I don't know how you fix that. Yeah, I was just, just going to say like the only passing plays I can even think of that the receiver is running at full speed when he catches it are usually the little seam flares they run to Cowley. Yeah, um, and then like the flares to Joe Reed, but those are like yeah. behind the line. Of but those are basically like runs. Joe's right? getting a lot of stuff running towards the quarterback, you know, not yeah. not any forward momentum. So like scheme, that's what I'm saying. Like scheme has a part to do with it. Maybe we don't we don't really know how much Bryce is practicing during the week. Maybe you know with his knee, that's that's some some of the timing issues we're seeing. Um, but they're like 
I mean, but I like you have Tavares Kelly, it. you have like Tavares Kelly and Billy Kemp. Have they ever caught a pass running across the face of the quarterback like one mm, time? Maybe once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Hasis Dubois has done it from time to time, but that's more of like a it's like a wrinkle more than a pattern, right? Yeah. Or just like running straight down the field, like, and that I think honestly is is part of one of Bryce's biggest limitations is he doesn't hit people in stride on deep balls very often. He just doesn't. So. Yeah. And that was a thing before this season. I mean, the one I remember from last year was the one to Jana, but he was kind of like open behind the guy. Um, those plays aren't being hit, which means you're not hitting these explosive touchdowns. If you look at what North Carolina does, look, look at how many deep throws they have, and he's hitting people running. So, I mean, like they don't have to jump up and over a defender in the end zone to catch it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to step in here because the thing I keep going back to, right? Okay, I can't, I can't fix – can't fix the offensive line i can't fix bryce's health i can't fix not having oz the one thing i feel like they can fix the one thing i can they can address all right is the running game because there are things you can do that can allow your offense to even if you can't turn around hand off to a guy and get four yards right that can allow you to have sort of the same impact and i i think that ferber said they've run what one jet sweep all season now i'm not going to sit here yeah, I mean that's tricky because I don't know how they exactly how they exactly quantify they, right, all those things. Right. But yeah, it's it was one jet sweep for zero yards and but, then one reverse for seventeen yards. So I think we can we can, we can all anecdotally say that they haven't run the jet sweep this year, right? And I'm not yeah. going to sit here in my 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 you know um, scores and scores of uh, expertise in the subject. I'm not going to pretend that jet sweeps are just going to fix it. I think the thing I'm struggling with is. I'm not seeing anything that looks like something that is trying to fix it. That's the thing. Like, if they came out and they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to play different quarterbacks on each possession. Matter of fact, we're going to get down to play-by-play. Play. They're going to take one guy on the field and put another guy on the, off the field, and blah, blah, blah. You basically swap them each play. It would be one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Except I saw it once. Um, but at least it would be a thing that somebody was trying. Right, and I'm not saying throw grapes at Superman, but you know, some, an attempt to to do something to address something. Right, it just looks like to me, by and large, outside of what P- Peacock on the field a little bit more in the red zone. Some under- yeah, I mean the snaps. red zone stuff he did against Duke was a little different, but right. I mean this game, I think they had like you know Broncos said something about the turnovers, and I don't want to get the number wrong, but I want to say. If you take the two turnover drives away, they still had 11 scoring drives, like possibility, you know, offensive drives besides those two. So I think they had 13 in the game. They scored three touchdowns. Like, Here, that's my thing, man. It's like I'm not asking them, hey, go out there and be 2018 or, or be perfect or whatever. But like, I don't see, I forget who, which one of you said it, like be more aggressive. Like, they're just not going to be who they aren't. And that's troubling to me because. Yeah, because who they are, they need to try some wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because whatever they, whatever it is that they are convinced they have to do in order to make the the perfect play, and they talk about this a lot, right? Hey, you gotta, um, you know, put the right players in the right position, you know, whatever, whatever that thing is, it's not working. And so maybe you should put, I don't know, a handful of dudes in decent position and see what happens, right? Like, there seems I mean, to like be even a, the time of possession stuff. Like they think, oh, we'll just hold the ball, but if you don't score, you're just making it harder. It's like. It would be like if UVA's offense played slow like they did and then never, like, scored very, like, you know, half a point of possession. Exactly. You're just making things impossible on yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, it, the bottom line is is that you you have to score points to win games. And we can get into, like, you know, oh, how many points do they think they need to score and da-da-da-da-da. But, like, what I'm seeing from the offense, play in and play out across multiple games, is the same stuff. Same route concepts that, you know, don't seem to fit the personnel you have. You're not really using the personnel you have, right? You're essentially, your your entire offense at this point comes into either Bryce goes and runs and does stuff or he throws a 50-50 ball to, to, to Haas or to Joe. I mean, or, or they're one of those random times when Terrell Janet catches fire and catches like seven balls in, you know, the span of like 13 passes. But I think that's my, my deepest issue. It's like I'm reading this stuff in the data and I'm understanding like, okay, they're not just bad here, but they're also bad there and they're also doing this poorly. None of that is being addressed on a weekly basis. And that's the thing I think that that the reason why you you see fans so upset is because predictability, you know, we've, we've been calling plays for years, right? Like, we used to joke about how Chris Sharp was on the field. We knew it was going to be a pass to Chris Sharp. You know, now it's like, well, you might see, you might see guys in, in some spots and you don't know exactly what the play is, but you know what? If I see Tanner Cowley go in a specific motion, I'm pretty sure I know what the play is. Um, and that seems rudimentary. I am nobody. Like, I'm just a dude who owns a website, right? Like, defensive coordinators are studying you and understand you and know your tendencies. And I'm, and I'm reminded of what Bronco said Monday. He was talking about the way he sort of views his role as CEO and how he does this thing where he sits down with the offense and he, ta- he watches all the film from, of the opponent and he sits down with the offense and he talks about sort of what the defense's tendencies are and how you could exploit them. Right. And he does the same thing with the defense about what they off, you know, and essentially he he makes recommendations and it's up to the staffs, the, the, the two different groups. One of them seems to be either be taking his input and doing something with it or, or just reflect rejecting the parts that don't that they don't agree with. But whatever, it seems to be working. The other side, or he has so bad advice, you know, <laughs> like exactly. or something. But I don't I don't think that's what it is. No, no and no. that's the thing is, it's like you can you can have that mindset of like I'm the CEO I put people in place delegate but then if they don't work you have to hold them accountable exactly and that's where I'm going with it it's like how all right so you're doing this every week but like at least publicly and I'm not going to make the assumption that what he says to us is what he says to everybody but Bronco seems to be a pretty you know transparent dude like he's you know he doesn't rah-rah he's not you know he he doesn't do anything that's fake my frustration I think with what I'm seeing versus you know what they're putting out there is that it doesn't seem like anybody seems to think that this is an urgent matter, right? Like, the room is on fire and nobody's walking for the door. And that's troubling. Like, the offense that we saw, even if you, even if you give them the benefit of the doubt and you say, okay, from the time that Bryce got hurt, um, they had to change everything. Well, why is it that your contingency plan looks exactly like the thing that you you claimed after Miami you had to make some design changes and you know you changed your your preparation model for the first time in years, right? You they basically went back to the same thing that didn't work in Miami and tried to do it in the rain. And I just, I I just don't understand it. It's 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 beyond yeah, I mean, my compa- my 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 like it's beyond anything I can fathom. <laughs> It kind of goes back to what I said in the piece, which is, and this is honestly something that Dave said, so I want to give him credit for it, but I kind of just rephrased it, is that the turnovers are important, and that is true, and they were in this game. So, like, these two turnovers in this game probably were the difference. He is 100% correct, but they didn't have to be. 
they were only the difference because you couldn't score points. They were the difference because you scored 14 points in the first half and then nothing for basically the the rest of the game. And I wouldn't call the the Kelly touchdown garbage time because like the game wasn't completely over, but it was kind of over. I mean, the onside kick made it seem like it wasn't over, but I mean, it was a two score game with 20 seconds left, right? Like they and that play that drive took them 15 plays, and and they needed to hurry up. It took them 15 plays to score. Um, and, and that's great. I mean, North Carolina's longest drive of the season was against Clemson. It took like nine minutes. And the reason it took that long is because it was on, they were trying to make it take a long time to score so they could score it before the game. And it just kind of speaks to like the intentionality of things. But again, it's like those things aren't a problem. If you scored four touchdowns or whatever in the first three quarters, that's not that much to ask against a defense. They gave up 59 to wake 45 to Clemson. Uh, 39 to Boston College, 42 to Florida State. I mean, and go on and on. Like, this defense wasn't a good defense. So 21 points total, including a semi-garbage time touchdown, that's not an acceptable effort, even with the turnovers. Dave, yeah, you I mean, still laugh? There you are. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, just, I mean, y'all said a lot that I agreed with, so I'll weigh in. Um, I mean, just I mean, where to start with it. I, I don't, I don't want to say this is – it's a terrible thing not to have gotten blown out at some point, but it almost feels like it would have been better if they'd have just gotten smoked. Um, and they'd be like, and like know, not scored any points in the yeah. process. Yeah. Um, and it, and yeah, I the know defense like, and special teams are too good for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the problem. That's, the that's honestly what I learned up. from this is like the yeah. defense, they're not creating turnovers at maybe the rate that they should, but the field position, a lot of it is from special teams. Yeah. He's like absurdly in their favor. I mean, North Carolina has 26 touchdown drives, and three of them started on the good side of the 50. UVA yeah. has 25, and nine of them started on the good side of the 50. And then they, on top of that, North Carolina has no defensive or special teams touchdowns, and UVA has four. Yeah, my my concern with them being more aggressive, even if there is something they can do, whether it's you know running running Kemp and Kelly down the seams and taking some deep shots early, or you know figuring out ways to get Joe Reed the ball moving. Um, you know, more frequently, I, I feel like that's less likely now, given given the fact that you know we've got guys dinged up. We've we've lost Bryce Hall. We're missing Mac for a half. We've lost Rob Snyder. Um, I think Antonio Clary got dinged up pretty good at the end of the uh, Louisville game. So He's you don't have much depth this week. But who knows what to make of that? Yeah, well, you know, who knows what that means? Um, Tommy Chris is still a <laughs> defensive tackle. Now, um, so there's certainly you know the defense is kind of getting thin. Right. And Bronco being a defensive head coach, he's not going to put them at extra risk. So, I mean, I think you're going to see an offense that tries to tries to do ball control again, um, which kind of cracks me up because I just happened to be watching this piece on Mike Leach today. And he's talking about time of possession. And he said the ultimate a touchdown is the ultimate time of possession because you get not only how long it took you to score, but how long it takes the other team to match it. Um, and I feel like the, that's a foreign concept. I, that's almost like a. <laughs> it's almost like a run and gun basketball compared to Tony Bennett, but it's two ways to look at it. Like, I don't think it has to be separate. You can be deliberate when your okay. team is pushing right. the ball down the field and then you can speed up and have a drive where you go tempo to get some momentum going or even a few plays after first down where you do it. Um, and if that helps activate your quarterback, if that's what he needs to get lathered up and going, then I think you have to do it for the betterment of the offense. Cause long-term give me that defense out there with the lead so they can, you can turn them loose to do some things. Don't put them like they were against Louisville, where all of a sudden the team that decided not to abandon the run can finally wear them down. Because 
that's just the way it happens. Your your point just a second ago about um, you know it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be different. It made me think about something. We 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 understand that like part of part of the staff's sort of ethos or I don't know maybe thesis is the right word, um, but part of what they do is the idea that you you find the guys you figure out what they can do and then you you go out and you do it right. And they have a lot of different personnel packages. You know, this guy does this and that guy does that. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, seeing them roll with the same guys and just kind of catering the offense to what those guys do well. But I understand why you might run into some trouble doing that. The thing that I'm really struggling with is Dave asked a question of us, or he made a point today, uh, about sort of this staff's recruiting of offensive players versus defensive players and how the, the guys who they have recruited have many of them have shown well on defense, but they have not had to this point guys on offense who have really broken out. And I argued that like, well, that's in part because a lot of the guys who are still here are, you know, pretty good, you know, Haas or Joe Reed, or whatever. But the, that made me think of something else later tonight, which was, or later this afternoon, which was like, have y'all seen Dontavian Wicks? Like, that kid is kind of a freak of nature. And the fact that there's nothing in this offense that asks him to, like, go do Dontavian Wick stuff is kind of mystifying to me. It'd be like if you had DeAndre Hunter on your roster and you didn't know, like, how to, like, I don't know, change your entire offense to make it so that he had the opportunity to get the ball, right? Which is kind of how UVA won a national championship, right? Is being mindful, like, oh, right, sides is not going to work forever. We probably need some new stuff. Now, I understand that comparing to sports is not necessarily f- fair. Okay. But do you see what I mean? Like, they have more offensive talent. Like I tweeted the other night. An offense that has all of these pieces should not be struggling the way that this offense struggles. Everything with them is a chore and a half. Everything. Like, just from, you know, from, you know, first down to first down. Nothing comes easy. Every, and it's almost like, in, in part, the 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 pace or the lack of it, right? The, 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 the monotonous sort of, um, um, approach makes it even more so true. They're like, they just, they don't seem to have any urgency and they don't create with any sort of, um, with any flair. And I just wonder, like, you've got all of these pieces, how, like, what are you, what are you trying to do to maximize the impact that you have of the guys on your roster? I understand you might not ask Dontavian Wicks to go out there and be in on 60 plays, right? I get that. But you know what? Maybe he should play more than five, right? Like, he's a physical freak of nature. You have Hasis Dubois, you have Jewel Reed. Those are two, you know, pieces that have, have shown you this season that if you throw them 50-50 balls, more than likely they're going to come down with it. But what if you put, if you use them and, I don't know, had somebody else that did some stuff? Like, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mystified as to how, they don't look at the pieces and think, all right, this guy, we need to put him in a good spot. Like, how are there not more crossing routes? How are there more jet sweeps? How are there not more check downs? I just don't see it. And that, to me, it's, it's kind of mind-numbing to me. Like, I just can't, I can't process it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's no, like I mean, kind of what I was saying. I think, Atkins, right. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel like, just real quick, we talked, I think I talked about it to the Miami game, but everything just seems so difficult for them. And that's the part that's kind of the most frustrating to watch. And like you said, comparing sports isn't always the greatest thing, but it's like a basketball team that can't score 
or a baseball team that can't get a hit. It's like that's how it feels watching it. Even when they're moving the ball, you're like, okay, it's like all the pieces have to fit together perfectly on this 12-play drive to make it work. You can't just like hit a play for a touchdown. That hasn't happened, so you're not expecting it to happen. So then it just feels like everything has to be perfect. I mean, in that thing I did, they only have one drive this season where they had negative penalty yards on the drive, meaning that even there was, I think there was one drive where they had a penalty, but the other team had one. Uh, they only had one where they had a penalty and scored, and and the other team didn't. And it was five yards on a 29-yard drive. All the other ones, they like either benefited, they had a bunch of drives where like they got help, and then or nothing you know there were no penalty yards so that's what i mean it's just like everything is like they need they need to like catch breaks to score almost that's how it feels right dave you can yeah. get the last word and then yeah, we'll get move back to, to kind Carolina. of what, yeah kind of what brad was talking about like um you know if, if you're going to change something up just put the same guys out there and run with them a little ball and you know so there's not all this matchup coming but if you look at if you just think about how many times you see two running a running back or two running backs on the field, and it feels like it's some, I wouldn't say half the plays, but probably close to it. Um, and then you go look at the numbers, and there's only been two games this year where a, a running back had more than 11 carries, um, which is crazy. And then there's been virtually no game where a running back had more than one reception. So if you figure, let's figure best case, 15 plays a game to a running back, yet they're on the field almost every play. That's a dead spot. And at some point, at this far in the season, other coaches aren't dumb. I mean, they're just going to let these running backs, maybe they're setting up to you know, mess with Virginia Tech at the end of the year, but they're going to lose a lot of games before they get there. Um, so it, just simple things like that. Like, why have a guy out there if you're not going to make him a threat? They did try to throw to Atkins this week. That boy's, like, Atkins is a Gatorade player of the year. Like, he's got wills. Um, feel like he's been underused so you just got to use the pieces you have better and whether that's understanding what you have or some standard that they're not meeting because I, I, I mean i keep the thing that it's in the back of my head is that good play tk had was it against yeah. miami um where he, yeah. i can't remember who was it was that little like uh the yeah. almost like a like i said almost like a counter where it was like a fake quarterback sweep yeah it's like one of the, the best plays pass. they've called this year yeah, because it was TK off of a play that they had already set up. That's kind of the thing I'm trying to say is, like, they don't set stuff up. And then it's like they're, they're tipping running plays and stuff. I mean, the defense is sitting there, you know, like, they're basically – they admitted they were tipping their running plays. Like, yeah. how is that even possible? And also, that that confirms for me something that, like, we all have said, like, oh, it seems pretty obvious when they're going to run this or that. And now we know. They admitted it. <laughs> like, Yeah, and then TK got absolutely – as we've said multiple times, TK got absolutely, like – a verbal, you know, a tongue lashing for whatever he did wrong on that positive play. Um, and he pretty much did nothing the rest of that game. So like, there's something's got to change on the offense and I have little hope that it will. Um, but if it doesn't, like you're looking at another situation like two years ago where you get to five and two and you, you, you've got to beat Georgia tech to be ball eligible. Thank goodness. Liberty's on the schedule. Uh, my my fear as we get ready to transition to this week is that we are going to have this conversation again and again and again. Cats Corner Podcast is brought to you tonight by the good folks over at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Second String Sports has all the 2020 gear from Louisville Slugger, DeMarini, Wilson, Easton, and Evo Shield, as well as quality used gear. If you play baseball, softball, soccer, or football, you can find the gear that you need at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. 
If you have something from last season that you aren't using anymore, you can bring it to second string and get a credit towards your next purchase. And if you're looking to purchase a new bat but not sure which one to get, second string will let you try the bats in their demo zone and talk to you about the best bat for your swing. Second string is a, uh, has a large selection of Wilson A2000s and A2K gloves and is a Wilson Glove of the Month retailer. So you can check out what Second String has to offer at their store just outside Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway. Or you can check them out online, secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two. First string quality, first string service, Second String Sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so after 30-some minutes of offense conversation – we turn now to the South's oldest rivalry and a matchup in Chapel Hill Saturday night. I still, I'm never going to get over this. Ferber earlier in the season saying like we're going to remember 2019 as a night as a year that Virginia played like nine road games, excuse me, nine um, night games, which is totally coming to fruition. I mean, I have zero idea what to expect from Virginia in this game. Um, when when we get to picking this thing, I'm going to him and Hall because I've literally like. Carolina has won some really weird games, been in a part of just crazy games all season long. I feel like I know what I get from their offense. I feel like Virginia, a capable offense, a capable offense with Virginia's defense would win this game going away. Um, we don't know what Virginia's offense is. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. So I'm going to open it up to you guys and, and sort of soak up some of your um, prognostication skills. Ferber, let's start with you. As you look at this matchup, what concerns you the most about North Carolina from Virginia's point of view? Well, yeah, and I think it's interesting that you said UVA could win it going away because the interesting thing is, and I don't necessarily disagree with that, but the interesting thing is nobody has. Like, the teams that have beaten them haven't gone away from them. I mean, like, Clemson beat them by one. Um, and the teams that they've beaten haven't – they haven't gotten away from those teams except for Georgia Tech, who's pretty bad, but interestingly have a comparable offense to UVA's. Um, but we'll just forget about that. The thing that worries me is this is the first team that UVA has played that throws a lot of deep balls. Louisville has a lot of passing yards and touchdowns and big plays, but a lot of them are yak short throws that they just get the ball to their fast playmakers in space and let them do their thing. North Carolina does that, but they go deep a lot. I mean, they have 59 throws this year, over 20 yards. They've completed them for a bunch of yards and eight touchdowns and one pick. Sam Howe, the more I kind of compared UVA's offense to theirs is better than I even thought. And I've gotten to see them play a little bit this year, not as much as maybe I would have liked to just because they're an interesting team. Uh, but they have a legit offense. They have dynamic playmakers. They have a quarterback that's young, but coming into his own doesn't still doesn't make a ton of mistakes. They have two good running backs. Um, their offensive line is okay. Uh, the defense is not great, but they're not, uh, they're not like, prohibitively bad if that makes any sense they're not costing them games right um the games that are shootouts have kind of just gotten into that sort of way right um but yeah i mean every team has played them close this is the first team i think like i said that that goes deep a lot i think this will be the first big test for uva secondary without bryce hall in terms of not letting guys get behind them uh so that's my biggest concern in addition to all of the uva offense stuff we just covered <laughs> dave you uh yeah care care to pop in <laughs> yeah i mean i mean justin's a scouter guy um i mean i've watched a little bit of for uh <laughs> sorry north carolina um you know where i'm going the uh yeah florida but, state quarterback somehow yeah i mean um no but think about how big that flip was that's one of the, that, that was a kid that that mac brown flipped that's from like florida a state. program changing flip. yeah like in in the one month or so he had between taking the job and signing day he 
flip Sam Howe, who like uh, their deep, their offense has got some guys who kind of stood out and ha- having good years, but he's the s- straw that stirs yeah. that drink and he's stirring it well. As a well, I mean, that's now. why we thought they'd be bad. I mean, I was oh, like, yeah. if they no, have one of these other guys at quarterback, they're going to stink. But yeah. I mean, that he's really been the difference for them. Yeah. And they look, they weren't a team without talent. They were just a team without direction. Um, Heck, they gave Virginia a game last year. Yeah, yeah, and and now with a really good quarterback. But even last year when they were struggling, like they gave us a game. That wasn't a blowout yeah. by any means because they, there's kinda, talent on that roster. Kind of had the lead, but it was a game where you didn't feel comfortable until the end, right? Yeah, until the very end. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's an interesting matchup, a robbery for sure. And I mean, I think I mean I don't know how much momentum exists in baseball, but. Um, I mean, sorry, I'm watching baseball and talking football. Um, don't have much momentum exists in football, but you've got Carolina who feels like a team that's kind of everyone's encouraged about their, even with their record. Like everyone feels very confident about where they're heading. Like everything's moving in the right direction. Meanwhile, you got Virginia that should be like, you know, finished last year really strong and started this year really strong. And now you've got, you know, there's, there's water. We're taking on water. And what does it mean? So it, it could be interesting. Like, I mean, I don't. I mean, I think Brad is right. Like Carolina, it there, there's some problems with Carolina. There's some deficiencies there. Like I don't think they're that great on defense. I, I don't know that they're that deep on defense. I don't feel like they're very disruptive on defense. But again, it's our offense, and I don't have. Do I really have confidence in saying they they figure out how to deal with that? Um, I do think Carolina is probably better than Duke. Um, but it's not that big of a difference, as you saw last Saturday, and Virginia handled Duke. So, who knows? I, mean, I, may, <laughs> who want, knows? I may want to sit out the prognostication on this one. You don't get a choice. Um, we have, I don't think we've ever had uh, as many options for show titles as we have this week. Um, but who knows is pretty, pretty apt. My thing about it is, is that like Carolina's pretty banged up, right, on the defensive side, and just a rash of random injuries as it seems to happen. And yet, I mean, I don't see anybody really work. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just everything about Virginia's offense clouds the entire thing, you know? And to Ferber's point, like, you know, about – I think it was Ferber who said the thing about, you know, being encouraged and stuff. Like, Virginia has a has a very, very good defense. Like, lost their, an All-American uh, and kind of didn't really – I don't want to say didn't miss a beat because that's – but, I mean, like, they were able to withstand it even though – they were down two other cornerbacks, right? Like this is a very good defense, and it's being it's it's it it's being squandered in a way because the offense is just putting them in such t- just horrible spots. And I, like I said before, I have a lot of faith in the talent Virginia has on offense. I think that 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 you can't lose sight of that. And so, yeah, I, I go into this game thinking, listen, if Virginia plays plays well offensively, like. They could they could win this thing easy. I mean, I didn't expect them to beat the brakes off Duke, but I also didn't expect Duke to turn the ball over five times. Um, but you shouldn't need the other team to turn the ball over five times to look good. You know what I mean? Like on some level, like you've got to be able to do it yourself. And I don't think Carolina has an especially strong defense, but I think they're talented and I think they've got pieces. And even if they have some injuries, I don't think it's going to be enough that Virginia should feel confident going to this thing. And I think that's my problem right now. It's like if you're if you're Virginia's coaching staff and you're trying to to scheme offensively for for Carolina, what do you what do you think is your strength? What do you th- I mean? We've talked before about how they don't have an identity. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to to pick 
Virginia right now because of that. Because as good as I think Virginia's defense and special teams have been, the offense it, it clouds everything, and ultimately you can't you can't win if you don't score. Um, and Carolina's going to give you your, its oppor- your opportunities. You just got to be able to do something with it. Ferber in the preseason, as I look at the clock, and we're already at 45 minutes. We haven't talk, started talking about this really. Uh, preseason, you had Virginia, I believe, winning this game 21-14 with a 60% chance to win. We're going to start with you. Um, give me your score prediction and your headline for the day after. Yeah, I think it's going to be another close game for Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go with the Tar Heels. I think that uh, I, I'm not I'm not trying to say that UVA's offense can't bounce back, and that was one thing that I kind of had to remind myself of when I was reading was that, uh, you know, you forget last year, they kind of did hit a rut in the middle. Not like as bad as this year, but they bounced back with a really strong finish. Uh, Bryce Perkins had pretty similar numbers in touchdowns at this point last year. Um, and then he, he took off at the end of the season. And so did Joe Reed. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Uh, but North Carolina, they're at home. Uh, they... I think they can exploit UVA's defense a little bit with the deep balls. I think Jordan Mack being out for a half is something that you can't forget about, especially since North Carolina can run the ball. Uh, you have a freshman in there trying to determine, you know, run fits and all that stuff. Uh, the offense is uh, an unknown at best. I think if UVA is going to win, it's going to be, uh, you know, special teams, field position, defense, create and turnovers, that sort of a game. Uh, I don't think it'll be as crazy as the Duke game was with all those turnovers, but that's the recipe. You know, create some turnovers, create good field position, let the offense try to take advantage of it. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. I do think it'll be close. I'm going to go Carolina 24, UVA 20 in a game that comes down to the fourth quarter and a few possessions. I'll say that Carolina gets a turnover late to, to seal it. You, you want to give me your headline or you want to just nix that? Yeah, that's it. I mean, late interception or okay. something. Uh, Dave, I, I'm going to go next um, because okay. Ferber said something in there that made me uh, that solidified my thought. So you had what 2420? Is that what you said, Ferber? The um, yeah. yeah. I sat there and I thought, do I really think Virginia's going to score 20 points? And that's when I realized I got to pick Carolina. Um, again, I I believe in the talent Virginia has offensively. I do not believe that right now they're in a position where they can be consistent and. As as good as the Duke game was, I wonder today's point earlier that like they you know maybe one of these games they just need to get the crap beat out of them you know just get blown out um, to sort of wake things up because it's just been just good enough and then they when they have some struggles they come back and they have a game like they did against Duke but again they turned it over five times and you know Virginia it, at least early in that game it was still sort of you know hit or miss I think it was what zeros at the end of the first quarter. Um, I just I, I, I'm gonna have to see them consistently score points for me to think that I can predict for them to score points. Um, I mean, they're gonna I, I would assume they're gonna score something, but you know what I've seen for the better part of the season has not been encouraging offensively. And so basically, it comes down to can the defense turn Carolina over? Um, I think there's a good chance. Um, I think that Sam Howell is is a incredibly gifted kid. Um, and seems to be playing well above his station, at least as a, as a rookie. Um, Virginia has a, has a way of sometimes throwing rookies some things that they might not have been expecting, so I'm curious to see what the game plan is there. But, I, I mean, short of thinking Virginia's defense is going to score a couple touchdowns or Joe Reed's going to take something to the house, which, frankly, he could. Um, Sold-out crowd, you know, rivalry game, 
Um, Carolina coming off of a big win. Um, I don't like the spot. I had Virginia winning this thing, uh, uh, let's see, 34-21 in the preseason. I'm going to – I'm not going to go as far as to flip it, but I am going to say 28-17 to uh, 17 Carolina. I just I, – I, I'm like Ferber. I just see – the blueprint is there, right? Virginia's in the game for a while. Um, they need to stop late because the offense hasn't been playing well, and then that team – the other team just, you know, is able to make it happen because the defense has been on the field for forever. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the heels, and and I think that the 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 headline will be about the offense again. The headline's going to be about the offense all season until they fix it or they at least do something differently. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, like this is a huge game for Carolina. I mean, we, we talked about them like they're terrible, but they're they're tied for first in the you know this game's for first in the coastal. Um, they're at home. They're definitely not terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, but you know, they lost what three in a row before they beat Duke. And I mean, to be honest, like Duke made a yeah. stupid, stupid play, then or that game, you know. That yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing about Carolina's season, though, is like you could flip that game. You could flip Duke, literally Clemson, any right? of them. Yeah. Like, but that's what I'm saying. They easily could have beaten Clemson, and they were a two point conversion away from doing it. Like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So I don't think you can. They're just like a kind of a young team that that just gets themselves in a lot of tight games. Yeah, I mean, they're a team, you know, it's it's crazy. So so you have to look at what separates the teams. Um, I mean, a quarterback, I'm going to give the advantage to Carolina just because they're at home and, and Sam's having a great year. And as much as I – look, I, look I'm, we've been pretty hard on Bryce, but, you know, I, I love the guy. And, I mean, I think he's got the potential to be good. And I my thoughts are a lot of what we're seeing this year has to do with his injury. Um, and like Justin said, like he did turn it, turn it on the last four games four games or so last season so there's hope um but on the road and i mean this is probably going to be the mo- the biggest most excited crowd they've played in front of outside of notre dame i'd imagine um and notre dame wasn't that excited about playing us so you know, until we got the lead <laughs> i was just right? about to say it'll probably be the most exciting crowd they play in front of the season except yeah, for I, well, I mean obviously they're once virginia got but... the lead i mean notre dame got kind of loud um and then you, you take all that and then i mean to me the final the final straw is um, the Jordan Mack targeting call. Like not having him the first half with Rob Snyder already out. I think. I mean, I know he's one player, but he's one play. He's the second captain on the defense missing for it. You know, one what him for the rest of the season. Him for the first half. And when I've watched Carolina play, they're really good at kind of taking advantage of your, your deficiencies. So. I mean, I think they're going to pick on Nick or Josh or whoever ends up playing it inside linebacker there. Um, and with the staff, who knows, they might run Matt Gom out there. Um, but, I mean, I think that's a, a spot we're vulnerable at on, on defense. And with this offense, if, if Carolina gets a, a cheap shot, you know, I don't want to say a cheap shot, but if, if they take advantage of that situation in the first half and can get out, score a point they maybe not, wouldn't have or have a big play they maybe wouldn't have had, that could be the difference. Um, so a half without Jordan on the road, I mean, first time this year, I think, other than, I don't think I picked Virginia to beat Notre Dame, but the first non-Notre Dame game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Virginia to lose despite probably having them win, winning very big in their preseason. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm looking for Carolina to score some points because I think Virginia's going to take some shots to get back in this game. So I'm going to go Carolina 31 to 21, somewhere in there. Um but I'm only, I mean, it's like 50% confidence. Because I do, I mean, there there's a possibility that, you know. It's if, the coastal. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a thing. That's right. Prognostication to me, for the Coastal is crazy. You can't rule anybody out of any game. You literally can't. Even Georgia Tech now. Anything, you know, John Doe's got the upper hand. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I mean I, look, I'm expecting the defense to throw some stuff. At, even without Jordan Mack, if anything, this Bronco probably spent more time in the defensive room this week trying to scheme around not having Jordan for a half because he knows a half can make a difference. Yeah. Um, let, just let so the offense throw Sam do whatever. Stuff. I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. They figured it out on their own. <laughs> also, one one quick thing is, is just this game is I, – I, I don't want to say this with 100% authority, but I feel pretty confident in saying this is a coastal eliminator. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whoever loses it. Uh, just because of tiebreakers. If UVA wins, they have a tiebreaker over Duke. They have a tiebreaker over Carolina, Pitt. And, and am I missing somebody? No, oh, yeah, it. they have to play Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech. That's what I'm saying. And then North Carolina has lost the tiebreaker to Virginia Tech, who is now back in it. Um, yeah. So they can't afford to lose to UVA. Uh, it's it's one of those games where, like, somebody's season is going to take a turn. It's a swing game. And the question is whether or not UVA season already took a turn. And this is just the yeah. Uh, extenuation. This is just be like the the dunk at the end of the play or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there, look, there's. I mean, I don't want to hold this thing up, but there is a part of me that feels like maybe my standards are a little bit too high for this program, given where they are four years in, um, you know, and the fact that our quarterback was injured. But I mean, look, I don't want to be like I'm, I'm very happy to have a team that's one game away from bowl eligibility for the third year in a row. Um, that's that's but, definitely uh, true. Yeah, I mean, so I don't want to f- feel like yeah, I'm unhappy. Like I think we have the right head coach. I just think we need some something. Stuff's got to figure out, or we need one ch- a change or two. Yeah, the thing is, like it's it's again, I don't want to hold it up, but like <laughs> the it's not just the wins and losses though. It's how you get them. Exactly. And losing that game to Miami, if you go down there and they're and Miami plays well and and they're making all kinds of plays and you lose twenty eight twenty seven. You tip your cap, right? That game was a joke. This past game, I'll give Louisville a lot of credit. Like, they played well. They were at home. They had made some plays in the second half. But UVA's offense went into a shell. They didn't score a point for 40 minutes. That's the kind of stuff that is not acceptable in year four, especially when we're looking at these other teams that I compared UVA to, and they're in year one, and they seem to be doing just fine. That's what I mean. It is a At the end of the day, like, we can give the coaches a pass and say guys are hurt or they're in bad spots or whatever, but – other coaches are coming into programs and turning offenses around immediately. They're scoring points like it's not hard. So at some point, they either need to get someone in there to help them or figure out something different because other teams are doing it. It's not unheard of. Here, here. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I that's guess, it. I guess uh, that's it. That's that's the that's the tweet. Um, if you are somebody out there uh, who found uh, the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, give us a, a look on uh, let's see, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Uh, also, if you're inclined, give us a rating review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people. Um, if you're somebody who found the pod has not given us a look at the site, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Let's see. Right now, you can. I got the first Q and A uh, of the preseason uh, with Jason Williford talking about the title and the aftermath and this team and everything. Um, let's see. We got stuff from the uh, from um, from the presser Monday. We've got Ferber's mammoth, um, just gargantuan piece on the offensive woes. As you listen to this on Thursday, you should also have um, Pro Football Focus grades. Uh, piece as well as um, media day content from Charlottesville for the basketball program. Um, 
after this, you'll get, you know, we'll have a preview up. I've got my second Q and a with uh, Brad Soderberg ready to roll ready later this week. And I'm guessing I'll have some video uh, or something up from, um, from media day as well. Uh, again, I want to thank uh, Thorium Wealth and um, Second String Sports for their support of the show. Uh, ThoriumWealth.com for more information, full disclosures. Also, Second String Sports, second with a two. Um, and I, of course, want to thank everybody out there for giving us a listen and continuing to support the show. And Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always, especially as uh, the World Series continues to play out. Um, one thing that you, uh, I, wa- I, w- I want to make this quick note of. Uh, as you listen to this, there was a documentary last night. We obviously recorded this on Tuesday, so we will talk about that when we talk basketball next week. Last thing, because I forgot it earlier, hit the Fanatics links. If, if you are so inclined, um, anything that you purchase using that link goes to support the site, whether it's UVA or otherwise. Um, so I very much appreciate it. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.